Ten minutes it is before 8 p.m. You tuned in to Metro FM Talk here on Mighty Metro. We kick things off uh, with our wrap of the top business stories and uh, helping us to take a look at these stories is Nolwandle Mtombeni, market analyst. Nolwandle, good evening to you and welcome. Bangumsha, bunjani. Nko, nasiswa mbunjani. Yapila. I want us to start off uh, out in Australia. Now, uh, yesterday, Uchastai's, uh, in our Amakesla segment, was uh, talking about the history of Australia as a penal colony, so like a, a prisoner colony where they took people from the UK and uh, sort of uh, dumped them off there, if I can put it that way. Um, and uh, I guess, you know, uh, the issue is that they didn't discover it because there were people who were there. And some of those people had very sacred heritage sites um, that... Um, happened to also be on land where Rio Tinto mined some of the iron ore. Uh, and it seems they've messed up here enough to trigger uh, musical chairs at the top and uh, at the helm of the organization. And of course, I guess a lot of uh, uncertainty for investors. Yeah, I think there's, you know, I know within Australia, there's you know, a very long history with regards to um, the, you know, the local, the local, your, um, sorry, your Aboriginals in Australia. Um, you know, they've been displaced for a very long time and they've you know, for long years there was some contention and they were oppressed and um and they became minority in the country. So I think as much as, you know, any minority, they obviously if something like this were happen it would it would it would cause an uproar because and rightly so. So and you know, we live in an age where obviously I think, you know, these social issues, they are becoming bigger and more magnified. And I think, you know, governments sure. can't just sweep it under the rug or, you know, prevent it from coming to the spotlight. I mean, the social awareness is very mm. heightened now. And, you know, the... Yeah. And probably, no, Luanji, I mean, probably not the kind of thing you can sweep under the rug, especially if, you know, uh, many of the communities that remain are the ones that remained after a project of extermination. I mean, you know, effectively there was like, sort of prizes on the heads of some of these people in that area. Um, and the sites that Im- remained uh, include, I guess, this, this one particular site, which Rio Tinto has found themselves, uh, I guess, falling foul of. Exactly. I mean, it, it was a very sacred site that they found themselves on, and mm. they made a huge misstep, and, and you know, someone has to be accounted for it. And ultimately, the Rio, the Rio Tinto chair and the executives also had to step down because of this. Um, mm. You know, social social and governance issues are becoming very topical and very huge. And, you know, even tweets can get you fired these days. So I imagine such something like yeah, this, know, where you've sure. now yeah. um, destroyed a heritage site, definitely is something that mm. you're going to have to be held accountable for. And, you know, we've had many in our own, in our own environment where the same thing, sure. thing has happened. For lesser things, actually. So you can just imagine mm. the pressure that was came on the chairman there. And ultimately, he had to yeah. sit down. Um, and, you know, Rio Tinto is a big giant miner. It's the biggest, one of the biggest um, iron ore companies. Um, mm. So I think they needed to because they, they are, they are, they're big. They need to be accountability seen, especially given the public spotlight. Yeah. No, definitely, definitely. And it's certainly challenges that they're going to be faced with in other jurisdictions where they operate, least of all in uh, uh, South America. But let, let, let's stay in the mining sector. African Rainbow Minerals, uh, Patrice Mutsepe's outfit. Now, uh, you know, uh, reporting, I guess, as many mining companies are doing now, record headline earnings, uh, you know, uh, record basket prices for some of the minerals. If you think about iron ore, uh, there's a global, you know, supply shortage at the moment. And uh, there's an expectation that many of these prices are are set to increase going forward. Uh, What does that mean for African Rainbow Minerals, which uh, I guess has come out of uh, this particular 
uh, a COVID year with um, with certainly all of their armor still shining. You know, it's kind of crazy that there's a company listed on the JC that can say it had record earnings in 2020 after exactly. the crazy <laughs> year. I mean, it's 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 a bit unbelievable considering, you know, what the year has been and how many companies just failed to, you know, generate revenue for a huge portion of the year. So I think, you know, they, you know, the burn saver, I think, you know, we all know that the mining sector, the resource sector in particular has been, you know, doing really well. And ARM in particular, they are, you know, the majority of the operations are in platinum and iron ore. And even iron ore had, you know, it was in a down cycle, I remember, like, Low, not 2020, 2019, mm. um, was doing really badly. But, you know, everything has turned up. All the resources, majority of them, should I say, have had a good year. And they've benefited from that, such that, you know, some mm. of these um, minerals have, operations have gone up by 100%. So they, you know, just had a good year. And as a result, they can double their dividend and, you know, have good sure. cash flow. But I guess, Nolanji, you know, the payoff for investors here isn't only in that generous dividend. Uh, but if you look at where, you know, the African Rainbow Minerals share price was last year or the year before that, and where it is now just uh, over 280 rand a share, uh, I mean, it's probably gone up by more than double um, in, you know, less than 18 months or so. And uh, that might be, I guess, the other return on the capital gain side of things. Well, that is the big return. I mean, the the yeah, dividend yeah. I mean, is dividend nothing. Dividend aside, yeah. It is exactly. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Dividend is nothing. All of it is capital appreciation. And that's why, you know, the resource sector for on a five-year return basis, it, it performs any other. And irony is that, you know, five years ago, um, that's when the 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 resources cycle that turned downwards, was downturn. So now we're comparing mm. it to a point where the resource sector was actually now we're coming close to that 2014-15 period where the cycle sure, turned. Sure. And, you know, if that's the starting point of where you're comparing the performances, then it's done extremely, extremely well. So, mm. and yeah, mm. and, and so if you're an investor in any any resource, in fact, um, you basically got at least, you know, at least 50% return in the last yeah, um, yeah. 18 months. And I guess with all of the stimulus being thrown about in China and the U.S., uh, there is an expectation that uh, demand for some of these commodities will increase and uh, we might find ourselves in the middle of a commodity super cycle. I don't know if I should call it a super cycle, but uh, it is a cycle indeed. I, you know, at this point in time, I think everything has just been overdone, over overbought. And, you know, the stimulus eventually, it, it's, going to reach a point where it stabilizes, especially now that we're in vaccine mm. territory. And that's the reality of it, is that we're sure. in vaccine, t- vaccine territory now. And all these, you know, the more developed countries and your China's, they've got more access, to, they've got more supply of the vaccine. The rollout has mm. much more progressed. So as soon as that's the case, it means that the economies will stabilize much quicker. And then the risk, or, you know, the risk on sentiment is probably going to change. So if we get to a point where many of these developed countries have had, you know, at least, say, 40% rollout in terms of the population on the vaccine, then everything will change suddenly, very quickly. So yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I'm very hard for me to think that this is going to go on for very much longer, given sure. that, you know, the main economies from which the demand and supply dynamics, where the sentiment comes from, are eventually going to, you know, everything's going to change as soon as, you know, the vaccines mm. are out, uh, unemployment is, is, is starts improving from for those countries, and you know bonds are stabilizing. Yeah, it's going to change. 
Nurwan, last one here before we let you go. And uh, I guess uh, the point is well made there that uh, as things start to stabilize, we might see an evening out uh, of that particular cycle uh, in the basket prices of certain commodities we produce here at home. What's the Reserve Bank thinking around um, potentially having domestic use only cards or SA only uh, credit cards to compete with Visa and MasterCard? Yes, potentially. Uh, this, this is my, my favorite topic, the banks. So this is a direct <laughs> well, a paper that the Reserve Bank put out last Friday. And basically what the Reserve Bank is proposing, and it's really just a, you know, kind of a consultation at this stage where they want to hear people's you know, opinions and feedback on it just to see if it's viable because actually feasibility on, on the consultation paper. Basically, if you look at every card that you have, there's either a Visa or MasterCard sign for all of us that are, you know, in fact, and we have a, a and, uh, and sometimes there'll be an American Express one, you know, for example. That is because, you know, Visa and MasterCard, they have a duopoly in which they control, you know, the, the scheme under which the payments happens. So, you know, if you want to make a transaction to anything that's maybe going to buy something on Amazon or anything overseas, mm. it has to happen through either MasterCard or Visa or, you know, American Express is also another one that also uses it. And that's why, mm. you know, every card issuer has a MasterCard and Visa. But it's really only relevant to use the scheme that they are having if you need to, for example, you know, transact for you know, global, globally, whether it's... Yeah. Yeah. Or um, offshore buying, buying on Amazon or buying tickets, or whatever it is. If you need to buy something within the local, you can have a domestic scheme. And the reason why they want to target that is because it's very, very expensive. That's how MasterCard and Visa make their money, just from people making mm. their swipes. Even if you're buying something here from Take Lots in South Africa, they're still earning a fee yeah. and they're earning big fees. So they're trying to just lower those prices and find like a domestic scheme, which would be mm. specifically for the domestic market, much cheaper. Um, but the thing is, you know, they've MasterCard and Visa have encountered this in many, many regions. It's nothing new to them. And yeah, many of those domestic mm, schemes mm. have failed. So the question is, how does South Africa make it work, given so many have tried, so many mm. other governments have tried and locals in other countries and it hasn't worked out. Yeah, it just makes me think what happened to Facebook's own uh, scheme uh, around competing uh, with, in terms of a payment platform with some of these bigger guys. And uh, now the South African Reserve Bank joining many other countries who are looking at doing something similar. It seems a lot of changes on the horizon when it comes to uh, financial services, fintech, and of course the payments ecosystem as well. But we're going to have to leave it there. Uh, Nolwandle, it's always a pleasure catching up with you and uh, uh, we'll have to leave things off here.